Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls coming to you today from glorious Impala Films headquarters in sunny Southend-on-Sea. It is another episode of Second Take Cinema. I'm your host as always, Jamie Evans from Impala Films and joining me also as always, it's Rory Jocelyn from Cyberpunk Studios. Hello everybody! I am thrilled to be able to bring you today's episode <laughs> because today's episode we are looking at a film that i first saw 10 11 12 maybe years ago okay. um when i was at university it is a, a little known gem in fact i've never met anyone else who's ever seen it the i hadn't seen it yeah the only people i know who've even heard of it are people i've shown it to um, but I love this film. It's so funny. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are talking about 2011's Detention. Tension is, as I say, a 2011 film. It is directed by Joseph Kahn, who is a South Korean slash American film and music video director, having worked with various artists, including Britney Spears, T-Swizzle, Taylor Swift, Eminem, The Backstreet Boys, Lady Gaga, Snoop Dogg, Chris Brown, Kelly Clarkson, Ava Max, Mariah Carey, and Destiny's Child. So that's quite a... Uh, Quite a who's who. His, his directorial debut was a film that uh, did not do well called Talk. I don't know if you... Uh... Talk is in engine speed or talk is in verbal? Talk is in engine speed. T-O-R-Q-U-E. Okay. Uh, which I don't know if you've ever seen. It is a biker movie, I believe. I have not seen Talk. Um, it's Well, let's have a quick look at what Talk is then. Uh, it stars Adam Scott, Ice Cube, Jamie Presley... Um, what's it about? Tells the story of biker Carrie Ford and how he discovers some motorcycle. Oh God, this sounds awful. <laughs> the film tells the story of biker Carrie Ford and how he discovers some motorcycles filled with crystal meth. He stows them away, but it turns out that villainous gangster Henry James has plans to recover his drugs. James frames Ford for the murder of Junior, the brother of Trey, who heads the Reapers, a notoriously malicious biker gang. Ford goes on the run in an attempt to clear his name, while the FBI and multiple groups of <laughs> and multiple groups of motorcycle-mounted marauders chase after him. Well, uh, at the side of this film. So that was that was his directorial debut. He then did. Sounds different. Yeah, he then did Detention, 
And then in 2015, this is the one I didn't know, Jodie did a Power Rangers film, a live action one recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a reboot, wasn't it? And it was it? garbage, yeah. yeah. But do you know that what inspired them to do that was a short yes. on YouTube that was incredibly well received. Yeah, it had, um, what's her name, who played, uh, she's in The Mandalorian and she was in Battlestar Galactica in it. She was the Pink Ranger. Um, Katie Sackhoff. That's it, yeah. Yep, he directed that. Wow, that was actually quite good. It's yeah. been removed from YouTube. Yeah. I wish I could get he, a copy somehow. He directed. That was actually really quite yeah. fun. He directed. I don't think it would have made a good movie though, because no. it was quite, it was quite grotesque for a Power yeah. Rangers. He directed the short, and then when they picked up the feature, didn't bring him back. No, uh, and because well, he, to be fair, that short felt very similar in vibe to uh, Mortal Kombat. Le- uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy had a short film made first. Yeah. Uh, by the same director, Kevin Tankeri, and he did come back for Mortal Kombat Legacy. But that was a lot grittier in places because it was like, for example, Baraka was a black guy who had done like loads of plastic surgery on himself rather yeah. than being an actual duck utton from another world. Um, and Reptile was in it, and he was a, a person with... There's a particular rare... It's a real disorder, uh, a rare disorder which where your skin turns like crystal... Oh, I oh yeah, I know the one you mean, and I can't think what it's called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he had that disorder, and it was like most of most people that are born with this generally die before the age of eight. Um, but he's lived to like thirty odd, and he eats people. Uh, and it was like it was a really dark, uh, sort of gritty slice of life take on Mortal Kombat, which is a weird idea. And off that, he got the Mortal Kombat Legacy series. But the thing is, that original short was very much like the Power Rangers short that you mentioned from this guy. It seemed like much grittier slice of life. People get murdered indiscriminately left, right and centre in a really gory fashion. It was like a a proper, like, let's do this, but let's do Power Rangers or but 18. Yeah. Like, and it was, it was taken up to 11, which is why I think Mortal Kombat Legacy was meant to be leading up to a a cinematic movie by Kevin Tenkarian that never happened. And I think that's basically what happened with this guy. He made that to get the film to get a film made under his name, and because they were like, "Well, it's too gritty, though," so we'll get rid of him and we'll just do the movie with yeah. someone else. It's like, then why did you do it? Like, if you don't trust the director, like See, they're saying that's too gritty. But then, as I've already told you, that Power Rangers movie starts with the Red Ranger jacking off a bull. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's not gritty. That's just stupid. I agree. So his last film that he's done was in 2017, and you know what? I might have to see this, because tell me this doesn't sound stupid. So all this guy's movies sound no, no, stupid. No, no, thing, but, so this, I'm going to tell you in a minute what it's about, but reading its reception, hmm. it's got 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but Wild Hogs had 11, so... It's described as having thorny themes and aggressive humour. It dares to offend and then justifies its approach with subversive comedy that edifies as it entertains. Um, and an that just in- sounds like torture porn with some dark comedy thrown in. And an interview um, from RogerEbert.com said that the film offered an entertaining window into a culture that most people probably know very little about, but it's also a clever take on a generation more aware of what's offensive and what's not than any before. So that's a lot of high praise. Yeah. But listen to how... St- if you just got told this, the film would sound to it. It's a YouTube original. Oh, that's not a good start. Produced by Eminem. Well, to be fair, 8 miles. And it's genre... Is a battle rap comedy. I'm out. <laughs> right. It's called Bodied. Oh, I vaguely heard of Bodied. Yeah. And apparently, 
It's really good. Uh, is it actually production good though, or is it just because it's got Eminem in it? Produc- no, he's not in it. He produced it. Oh, okay. Pro- production companies, YouTube Premium and Shady Films. <laughs> chicka Chicka Slim Shady. Um, I might have to watch that. I I do think it's a travesty this guy hasn't directed more. Yeah. To be honest. I but- mean, this, this, this film we're about to discuss, Detention, which we've managed to evade for about five minutes. Uh, <laughs> this film, I'll say this before we, before we get into the depth of it. Mm. It is... Not a generic film. It has generic flavors where it's pa- of the genres. It's pastiching. Mm. So, like, it starts. Off, it's a. Sl- it's got the slasher film element that goes throughout the narrative, but it's not a generic slasher. And it, it's a lot of that is to do with how it's mocking slasher films. Mm. But then the other side is it comes in with some really clever sort of. It's almost um, three dimensional thinking. Yeah. When it like. <laughs> A spoiler alert when time travel comes into it and they figure out the time travel and how yeah. that all loops back around to the beginning of the film yeah it's actually quite well done yeah and you're like that slasher but what it definitely <laughs> I, I would feel pretty confident saying that this is a, a rare example of a film where i don't think the producers or the studio interfered at all I feel like I think this would be a safe bet. Yeah, I think this is Joseph Kahn's full vision. Yeah, and actually, to be honest, I, I'm glad it is because I can imagine how they could have sanitized it. Yeah. So this film stars Josh Hutcherson, Shan- Shane Lee Caswell, Spencer Locke, and Dane Cook. Now, I have a budget, but I unfortunately don't have a box office. I don't think it did earn a lot. Maybe it didn't come out in cinemas. Maybe it only I'll came out on straight to video. So its budget was $10 million. Which, by yep. 2011 standards, is nothing. No. Um, now let's and it has look. a lot of visual effects. And unfortunately, by the end, they get a bit ropey, probably because of the smaller budget. Yeah, I think you're right. So it says here, the film was released to select theatres in the US on April 13th, 2012, by Samuel Goldwyn Films, followed by a Canadian release on April 27th. It was then released on DVD and Blu-ray July 13th, 31st, 2020, 2012. So I... I, It seems like it's quite an indie venture. In I, I think it only got cinema release in America and Canada, and even yeah. then only in select theatres. Yeah, certainly uh, America it's mentioned limited or select theatres. Yeah, and I think worldwide it just went straight to DVD. Which makes sense for the type of film it is, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I don't know how you'd even begin to market this film. No, because... If you market it as just a slasher, I think people that are after a straightforward slasher would be disappointed or confused. Mm. If you marketed it as a comedy, people would get confused because it's not an all-out comedy. No, if you did it as like a slasher parody, people would think it's just a scary movie again. Yeah, and scary movie was 10 years old by that point, so people are like, well, it's been done. Um, It's very very difficult to market. Mm. I mean, I'm not a marketing executive, it's not my... (laughs) <laughs> not my skill set but yeah. usually with a film you can see you know the buzzwords at least you know yeah. jurassic park dinosaurs uh 3d epic special effects uh you know dino carnage whatever the hell you know you, you've got things in there that you can just throw out as a buzzword detention yeah. doesn't really have them not ones that stick throughout the whole film anyway no. again the slasher element comes in and out of it yeah. but then there's a bit where a bloke is part fly yeah and you're like why yeah and it's never explained no no, ever so just before we get on to the actual plot here's a few of the critical feedback 
Um, one critic described it, and I think he's right here. It's Scream meets Scott Pilgrim with a dash or two of Kaboom. Now, Kaboom, I haven't shown you yet. I am 100% going to show you Kaboom at some point. Okay. But I've told you about Kaboom. It's the LGBT film about a young man coming to terms with the fact he's gay um, at uni and he's got a crush on his uh, on his Friend. flatmate. Oh, okay. Um, but then it turns into a horror film where a weird cult that where animal farm masks are stalking him. And then at the end, the leader of the cult presses a big red button and the whole of planet Earth explodes. Interesting. Yeah. And that's why the film's called Kaboom. Anyway. Is it not called Kaboom? No. Okay. Um, so on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> it has an approval rating of 42%. Um, with a weighted average of 5.10 out of 10. Consensus states, director Joseph Kahn's relentlessly kinetic style gives detention a rebellious kick, but the overload of ideas keeps this genre mashup from ever cohering into a satisfying whole. Um, You're a satisfying whole. (laughs) Justine Elias from Slant Magazine gave it 3 out of 4, saying, for gorehounds lured in by the poster and trailer, detention is disappointingly ungory. But for pop culture pilgrims intent on discovering an underground prize, look no further. Brett Gorman from Oh the Horror, which is a great name for a magazine, Oh the Horror, (laughs) uh, gave them a positive review, saying, smart, funny, and equally full of splatstick violence and heart. I love the term splatstick. That's a good term. Yeah, it gets used. Oh yeah, it gets used in horror comedy a lot. Splatstick makes sense. Uh, Evil Dead gets described as it a lot. Yeah, I think that would classify. Detention isn't just next level horror; it's next level everything. A senses altering reaffirmation of cinema. (laughs) Fucking hell! I mean, I I really like this film, but that's a bit of a snotty way to. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's trying to make it sound poncy, and it's really not a poncy film. It's reaffirmation of cinema. Yeah. So. Okay, so explain how you first came across this film and uh, basically why you've brought it up today. So, I was at uni uh, from 2010 to 2013 and I did a module on my film studies course called Horror and Fantasy. Can I just add something here? You were at uni when? Between 2010 and 2013. Oh, God. What? I went to university. <laughs> You're only five years older than 2004, me. 2004, I started university. I was in year eight. <laughs> when I went to uni. Fuck. But we've said this before on VGMP, haven't we? Now that we're both grown-ups, a five-year age gap is nothing. Yeah, but we're both in our 30s, five but, years. Yeah. yeah, but when you're teenagers, oh, it makes everything. a huge yeah. difference. Because you would... I mean, I was probably still playing fucking Pokemon or some shit. Yeah. And you'd have like, well, actually, no, you never grew up, did you? So, you know, let's be honest. I Don't say that. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. Don't stop it. (laughs) I literally just threw up in my mouth. I could taste vomit. (laughs) Well, that happens in this film a couple of times. Anyway. Um, so I did this horror and fantasy module and the tea, the lecturer for this module 
looked you would never look at this guy and guess he was a film lecturer he looked more like a rugby player like he was a a, a short built very broad shouldered guy with looked like his nose had been broken three or four times with the thickest glaswegian accent you have ever heard he literally started our first lesson by walking in to a room full of m- most of the people they didn't know about horror and fantasy it's why they were taking the course was to learn about it. and he literally just walked in and went Morning, everybody. Who here likes torture porn? <laughs> like that. Torture porn. Torture porn. <laughs> and literally three girls got up and walked out. Because they obviously didn't know that torture porn is a genre, a subgenre of horror. Yeah, they thought uh, it was actual porn. Yeah. Um, uh, you should always ask for consent, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you should. You should. Let's be clear on oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The joke <laughs> is on the genre, Dave. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, <laughs> not take the piss out of consent. No. <laughs> Um, Holy damn, anyway, I got myself cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he came in one day and he said he said to us that he'd just seen this movie mm. called Detention. And he wasn't going to tell us anything about it because you can't explain detention. You really can't? <laughs> no. Um, instead, he showed us the, f- the very first scene with the girl who wakes up in bed and she's like... Um, I'm a bitch or... No, life's a bitch or no, something like that. she's a bitch. I'm a bitch, bitch, which stands for beautiful... Beauty, intelligence, talented... Talented. Charisma, huberstank. Yeah. <laughs> what? They're good. <laughs> See, that's one thing that's aged about the film, because who the fuck but remembers no. huberstank? Yeah, yeah. But anyway. The, though, to be fair, the film kind of... I mean, the film sets itself in 2011, mm. so it's going to age as time goes on, because it's set in 2011. It's probably a smart move, because... Schools change and fashions, etc., change all the time. Yeah. One of the uh, things it does quite smartly, though, is even for 2011, it outdates itself because it has a lot of elements, and we'll come to this further in the narrative as well. But even in the 2011 sections of this film, it's very much fueled by 90s nostalgia. fashion, nostalgia, and music. Yeah, I really feel. Um, so basically, to just finish that story, sure. he showed us the beginning and was like, "I'm not telling you anything else about this film." but you need to see it. And loads of us went and watched it. And actually, it getting a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, that actually sounds about right. Because some of us came back to the class the next week and were like, this is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> and then some of them come back and was like, that was awful. And I turned it off. Yep. I was in the first camp. <laughs> I Throughout uni, I immediately started a quest to show this film to everyone I knew. I showed it to my brother and sister when I went home that summer. Mm. I showed it to my all my housemates. Um, people used to just come to the house. Like We had Jehovah's Witnesses knock on the door once and was like, can we talk to you about Jesus? I was like, can I talk to you about detention? <laughs> and did they say yes? No, of course they didn't. <laughs> I've scared Jehovah's Witnesses off before. I gave I gave a couple an existential crisis once. Oh, God. They asked me about, do I believe in evolution? Because they were trying a new method. And you asked, what, you mean the David Duchovny science fiction movie? No, I said, oh, yes, yes, I do. And they went, why? I said, because it's provable. And they went, oh, but have you thought there's another way? And I was like, oh, you mean, um, you mean uh, creationism? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah is I, it provable? I, I, yeah, I was like, I, yeah, I, the thing is, I think both can coexist. And then, what? I think both can be equally true. And I'm like, well, how... No, that's not possible, is it? I was like, well, yeah, because in the Bible, it states that uh, God created the world in seven days. 
well, six days and he rested on the seventh. Yes, that's right. I was like, yeah. The thing is, the Bible was written by men to channel the words of God. God states that it took that many days, but a day, as far as we're concerned, is one revolution of the earth on its axis, mm. because that's our understanding of a daily cycle, or a single cycle of a planetary body. Mm. But for God, he wouldn't just be in charge of our planet. He would be uh, presumably God of the entire universe. Mm. So a day for God would either be a rotation of the entire galaxy on its axis, or perhaps the entire universe. So for him to take six days to build the world probably adds up because each rotation of the entire universe yeah. would so take several million or billion million years. years. Yes, yeah. millions or billions of years each. Plus, he does that seven t- six times. You get the creation of the Earth and everything on it. Mm. And they're like, oh, and also, have you noticed that God doesn't really speak to people anymore? Because he's, he's like, on the seventh the day, day and he's resting. <laughs> and they went, yes, well, we've got to go. I was like, <laughs> why? We're having a conversation. And they left. <laughs> it's like the episode of Black Books when Dylan, when um, Dylan Moran, Bernard Black, that's it. Have, have you seen Black Books? Yes, before? I've got when, the whole series. When they good. come to the door and he's desperate to not do his taxes. Yeah. So he's like, yes, yes, come in, come in. And then they don't know what to talk about because they're like, well, no one ever usually invites <laughs> us in. <laughs> anyway, um, so I saw the film. Yep. And I loved it. As always, spoilers past this part. Although I don't, I don't really think you could spoil detention because I, mm. everything you can say about it it would remove makes... the shock of it. Is yeah. all it would do, I think, because I'm still then not 100. percent I get it. No, but even then, Rory, I've seen it about 50 times. I don't think I get it. But even then, I've told you everything that happens in that film. I've told you about the Flyboy and the TV hand. Yes, yes, I you told have. you about the blip, the tribe traveling bear from Planet Starclaw. Yep, and. N- and yet, even then, still watching it, every time these things happened, you were like, what? <laughs> I don't think, I think it's a spoiler-proof movie. Yeah, I mean, you told me, you didn't tell me about the bit where the man who turns into Flyboy, after he becomes Flyboy, uh, by touching some alien egg thing, uh, he has to walk around for several years with a television on his hand. I, I definitely did, because I, I, mem- I remember telling you that they all chant TV hand at him. Oh, yeah, you did. TV hand, TV hand. And and then afterwards, magically, after wearing the TV for several years, Mm. his hand is healed? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know how. There's no explanation for that whatsoever. Uh, There's no explanation for this film. One of those reviews we just read described it as kinetic. Yeah. And that is 100% a word I would use for this, because this film, right from its opening credits, which, by the way, might be my favourite opening credit sequence of all time. It's very well done. Because when you... Before we put this on, you you said that... (laughs) You said that this film was probably very low budget there was a couple of things that gave away the fact that he didn't have the highest of budgets but the only real main giveaway other than some ropey cgi towards the end is yeah some let's be honest some very ropey cgi some Um, sci-fi original movie level (laughs) not quite video game earth force level though uh still above that uh but there's uh was so the only real main giveaway at the start is the fact that where they didn't have control of exterior light, in the, yeah. it's clearly a real location they used, not a set. Yeah. And where they didn't have control of the exterior light, it 
kind of usually got overblown. Mm. And there was a couple of times you could tell that it's the wrong time of day for when yeah. they should be in class. Yeah, when it actually didn't matter aesthetically. It looked nice. Oh, it looked lovely. Yeah, when they were in it the was canteen. Like mid, it was getting it's towards clearly evening. Because yeah. you you've got that kind of warm orange glow that you only get when the sun's on its way down. Yeah. And you could see through the windows, you can see how low in the sky the sun is. Yeah. And they're on their lunch break at school. Yeah, yeah. But it... It, it, it looks, looks gorgeous. gorgeous, yeah. But most of the time, the windows are, are, are overblown. Like, the white levels are blown out mm. because they haven't got that much control over the lighting. And clearly, they've had to shoot quite quickly. They couldn't, you know, wait for light to control or any... Yeah. Or put up massive boards to block out the light. Which, you know, fine. I'm I'm not going to slate the film on that front. It's just that it was kind of the only real giveaway until the ropey CGI at the end. Mm. That this didn't have a big budget. Yeah. Because they... This intro sequence... I, I, honestly, big budget films aren't this smart. They've had pieces of costume and set design and things like that. Some of it was CGI, but the vast majority of it was actual practical props yeah. that they'd had littered around the set with the names of cast and crew members uh, with their actual job titles and stuff on them. There's like one where it's like a varsity jacket. It's stitched on. And it was stitched on. And that person has to walk past the camera at exactly the right moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was like there's probably some trickery going on to trick the long unbroken shot view. But actually it's very well done. Yeah. And it was one of the things that I was on that I didn't expect is when you said it was kind of low budget and you didn't know what to think of it, I expected it to be a lot more ropey than it is. Yeah. But actually it's very slick. There are a lot of scene transitions, a lot of effects outside of the ropey CGI tend to be very well done. Yeah. And it's only ropey outside of the CGI. I will always put that as the caveat on it. But other than this ropey CGI, like the bits where you can see like TV boy has his hand in the TV and it's clearly cut out around his wrist. Yeah. That's where it's just like, we don't give a shit. Enjoy yourself. It's stupid. Yeah. You know, and it's, they're in on the joke. I've, I have a lot of praise for that. Like there was yeah. the set, whoever was dealing with set did a bloody good job. Yeah. And the director clearly had a strong vision and storyboarded the hell out of it. Mm. Even though this film is mental, it is mental, yeah. this film, it at least wasn't in the same vein as something like Easy Rider or Burst City mm. or anything like that where you had a director and a crew on who drugs. were off their tits on drugs. Because it could have easily been. It yeah. could like thematically, you'd be like, this guy must have been off his nut on drugs. Yeah. And maybe he was when he wrote it. But when yeah. when it comes to production design, it is flawless. Yeah, you can tell because the way it's shot. Because the thing with... I've seen films where p the people making it are on drugs. Yeah. And they tend to be very slow. Yeah, Because slow, they're lazy, dash. they don't want to move the camera. This camera never fucking stops moving. It's very... To and But it's always considered. It's not... You're not sitting there, sitting there going... Stop the fucking camera for Christ's sake. You know, it's always well considered motion. Yeah. There were some points where it's, I wouldn't say it was necessary. Mm. You could have done the. So, for example, I'm thinking in particular of the scene where Josh Hutcherson and Dane Cooker are in the principal's office yep. when he does the, um, you may not have a skittle. Bit. Yeah. Um, you could have done that whole scene, one master over the shoulder of the shoulder, but they don't. No. They have zooms, they've got bits where the camera changes angle for no reason except yep. it just keeps you engaged. Yeah, um, it doesn't get boring. Oh no, at all. I, like I said, I've seen that film about 50 times it now. Drags. There's and not a single shot in this, I think, where I was like, oh, come on, when we get to the next? Yeah, because it never fucking stops. <laughs> if anything, every, yeah. every time you think, you, like but we it never, said. It never feels like it's too fast. You're never sitting no. there going, fucking slow the film down, mate. Yeah. 
it always feels like he's going at, even though it's fast, mm. at the right pace. Yeah, I think, I honestly think that the people who don't like this film, is I think it is, you have to have a certain personality type to like it. The word I'm thinking of for this is kitsch. Because people have stated that my film tastes a kitsch. I actually like this film. Yeah. Um, I've never seen it before. It's stupid. It's mental. Yeah. It's weird. But it's very well made. Yeah. For with the budget that they had, and I have a lot of time for it. I'm like you know, as weird as it is, you have to be willing to get into a very strange headspace. Mm. Once you can get yourself in that headspace, mm. you will enjoy yeah. yourself. You have to be much like it's very similar to the Evil Dead films. I feel, mm. which is you have to be able to get into a mindset of okay, this thing is just going to keep piling things on and I am along for the ride and nothing is too far. Yeah. Whereas, because you get, what, I'd say 80% of the way through the film mm. before it suddenly goes, oh, by the way, there's time travel in this yeah, movie. Yeah. No, this is the thing. Like, some of the, like, most of the elements in this are not set up early. No, and I can imagine people, I literally know people who that would happen. They'd be like, no, I'm done. Yeah. What the fuck? I was You're- watching a slasher film. Why is there time travel? What's this bear going into a spaceship for? <laughs> like, it's, and it's sound like, what just is saying it, that- it now, it sounds ridiculous. It's the, it's, the, it's the little titles that come up as well. What is it? The, it's something like The Ballad of the Bear from Planet Star it, yeah. or something. Yeah. And like, so it's Because, yeah, they, when it jumps to different scenes, it'll have like an intro card yeah. that'll tell you what yeah. that card is. It's almost like almost episodic. Yeah. But the film actually films filmic. It, does yeah. so, it, it, it doesn't break up in a way where you go, oh, well, that's clearly they've cobbled it together out of parts. F- literally 15 minutes from the end, it gets revealed that this film has a Freaky Friday style mother-daughter body swap that is never explained how it happens. No, it's, it's, it's just aliens. Yeah, aliens turn up. But how did them? Because the mum the well, plans the, for the, it the to happen. The aliens picked up the bear from Starclaw. Yeah. Or did they... Did they, they picked up the bear from Starclaw yeah, yeah. and then they come and do the body swap with Ioni and Sloan yes, as well. But they but, also, weren't they the ones that dropped off the egg thing that turned the guy into half flyer? We assume so, but we don't know. That look, You don't see the UFO. You no, just you see uh, that looks more like a meteorite that's just landed. But they're Canadians, aren't they? Yeah, because the, the end, Canadians at the end. Yeah, which to be fair, did you notice that that is set up right near the beginning when there's the news report about the slasher? Yeah. Uh, the next news report, just before it cuts away, is a man's been seeing UFOs in the sky over town. Right. And it cuts away, and then that's the Canadian aliens. Nice. Oh yeah, Canadians are aliens, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a Canadian in this who dies, and then is revealed to be a Canadian alien later. Who oh yeah, he dies. Oh, because yeah. they go back in time. And yeah, go back in that. time, and they fix it. So, but some of the, but yet somehow the guy's still failing his grades, even though everything else has changed. It's, <laughs> it's American <laughs> restaurants serve popcorn chicken because they want Americans to be fully certain that that chicken was pulverized. <laughs> So let's talk about the let's talk about some of the characters. So we talked okay. about some of the weird events. The main character in this is, is Riley. Is Riley, and she is a pastiche of uh, activist, I suppose, like unliked activist, like yeah. in the school because she's a vegetarian and she's made a, a, a lot vegetarian of... who very easily caves on her vegetarianism yeah, after and... losing one debate. Yes, but it's still 
bangs on about it. Like her yeah. debate was all about, and she, I'm pretty I... certain she does a lot of her schoolwork on how uh, animals feel this, that, yeah. and the other. But she's also a pescatarian, isn't she? Yeah, because the Canadian fish has to can't go about feel that. pain. Yeah, yeah which is I not feel true. like she's a pastiche of, or or a send up of a certain type of character got... that features very heavily in a lot of indie movies, yeah. which is that sort of edgy teenager where being depressed is cool and yeah. they're really it's almost it's almost daria-esque yes where very. it's very sarcastic but she's even wearing a t-shirt this is what a, a feminist, feminist looks, looks like. like and there's a bit where she's gonna hang herself yeah and she's doing it super matter-of-factly well to be honest her beginning bit sums her up perfectly mm. she's in bed she wakes up lifts her hand up and her hand's covered in red she's like oh for fuck's sake and obviously you think oh shit she's got a period opens her covers she's fucking french fries and ketchup yeah then she does her monologue about she eats one of the french fries as well yeah <laughs> then she's doing her monologue about how she's only the second saddest person in school history the first one was the one who blew the school mascot in yep. 1992 which, which turns out her. to be her uh, <laughs> when she goes back in time um, and she pops all those pills don't she because she, i was gonna say i think no, let me finish this point and then I'll mm. do my next point. Um, she says, she's looking straight at the camera. She says something like, um, something about 90s nostalgia and goes, but the 90s are over and so am I. And she necks all these pills and it's like this edgy sort of, oh, depression's cool. And then a song comes on the radio. She just spits all the pills out. It's like, yeah. I love this song. <laughs> and it's, for me, it's that perfect parody of, and I, I was like this when I was a teenager. You think you're a lot deeper than you actually are. Yeah. But actually, you're just an excitable kid. And fucking all it takes is a song coming on the radio to be like, oh, fuck depression. Yeah, the world's a better place all yeah. of a sudden. What I was going to say was 90s nostalgia is very in right now. Yeah, but it and wasn't I've... necessarily in 2011. No, I feel like this is one of the forerunners of that. Mm. Like, the 90s were not that long ago in 2011 yeah well, really. the, i remember towards the no early to late 2000s 80s was back in but mm. that actually lasted a while yeah um because i remember they stranger to... things is still 80s nostalgia isn't it? yeah yeah um but the thing is is that i mean the thing people look at stranger things and be like, oh, that's quite recent there's still 80s nostalgia yes there is but there was an 80s nostalgia nightclub in south end uh a just out next to uh, the university. Mm. And it used to be called Reflex. Yeah. And I went there while I was still in uni. That's um, that again. That was, that was. I, I wish that was still here. I would go. I love eighties music. Yeah, I'd you'd go, go there, there the and they'd always play Ghostbusters. Oh. And <laughs> but no, there's. <laughs> but I suppose maybe the idea was that they thought the nineties would replace the eighties by yeah. this point. Because the 80s had already been around for about 10 years in, yeah. in terms of revival. But actually, they didn't realise how much staying power the 80s had. Yeah. And no, 90s has started to come in again now. Mm. But it's only really been the last five years. Mm. So, yeah, this was a kind of a precursor to that. I think yeah. they jumped the gun. But I'm glad they did because it makes it yeah. strangely more current than it should be yeah. for a 2011 movie. I know. Um, isn't it weird as well? This is a stupid slasher comedy sort of mm. not sci-fi a mm. weird ass movie from 2011 and on our vgmp channel we watched a 2013 film called noobs mm. which was uh, not a slasher but it was a, another a comedy film that was attempting to cash in on a a retro zeitgeist mm. but for the younger audience yeah 
Now, Noobs is terrible. It's not. It's a garbage movie through and through. Like I'm not comparing the two on quality yeah. at all. Even the filmmaking hey, doesn't we, even match. We've got one film where the camera never stops moving and one where it never moves. No, Noobs did not have a single moving camera shot. Um, but so yeah, filmmaking wise, like the just in terms of technical side, this is a better film anyway. But what I was saying was, Noobs is two years younger than this film, mm. but has aged a hell of a lot more, mm. even with its kind of retro inspired themes yeah. because of the types of jokes it was telling this yeah. like the, the noobs was through and through full of gay panic like from there's a whole character in there that is a main character and he's literally from start to finish oh he's gay oh gay oh he's gay oh we know you're gay his name's fraggot yeah yeah exactly everything about this character is gay panic mm. and yet this is two years earlier yeah. it's still basing itself on 90s sort of nostalgia i don't remember there being a gay panic joke in it no and in fact, the jokes still hold up now. There's a couple yeah. of Vom jokes that don't do it for me. But other than that, because I don't like gross out. Yeah. But other than that, pretty much every joke in this film still holds up. Yeah. And I'm like, how did they do that two years before? Yeah. And it's, obviously one is because one is written and directed by someone who knows what the fuck they're doing and the other is garbage. Uh, <laughs> as it is, because it was on VGMP. So... <laughs> It's a video game and culture yeah. movie. Of course, we've done it's a garbage. couple good ones on VGMP. <clears throat> That's be true. Fair. That never a culture one yet. No. I don't think. But uh, so other characters you've got Josh Hutcherson's character. He was a weird character because um, he was very. He. It, I think they were trying to set up the possibility he might be the slasher. Well, he was a really weird character because he is completely vapid. Yes. Because he is simultaneously in love with Ione, although that turns out to be Sloane in Ione's body. Which is Ione's mum. Yeah. And Riley. Yeah. And doesn't see... that, And that's the one confusing thing in the film for me, because one minute he's literally all over Ione, like, making out with her. Then he's hanging out outside Riley's house and going on a slow skateboard ride with her. And I thought the intention there, what what I... My interpretation there was, was it's actually, again, it's pointing to the vapidness of teenagers where you know okay yeah he probably is like oh yeah me and Ione like we love each other blah 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 but actually he's just as interested in Riley because he's a fucking horny teenage boy yeah like a girl's a girl sort of thing <laughs> any holes a girl <laughs> oh, don't say it that way <laughs> Let's talk about Sanders. Yes. Sanders Sanders S. Sanford, I think is his name. Yes. Or Sanders S. Sanderson. Is that the villain? Yeah, the geek boy who turns... Who uh, was just Picard. Picard. Yeah. Yeah. I was Um, like, go on Star Trek. And just to show my geek knowledge here, um, there was a bit where someone gets murdered in that guy's bedroom. mm Mm-hmm. And when the blood spatters, it shows about three different shots. One of them is it's spraying on the side. It's a close-up on a Star Trek Enterprise-style figure, right? Yep. And I was like, oh, that's the NX-01 from Star Trek Enterprise, not from any of the other, like, specifically Enterprise from the early to mid-2000s. Mm. I was like... Cause, and all it had was what, what we call the Bassard Collectors, uh, which is the... I thought the, they were the warp drives. The, so the warp nacelles have the Bassard Collectors on the front. And the reason I knew it, which is the bit that collects space dust that generates energy for the ship, it's all very complicated in science. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm lo- I love Star Trek. I read too much into it. You're exactly the same with Doctor Who shit. Yeah, but Doctor Who just makes up words. I mean, just makes up... I mean, up... Bussard Collector, my friend. Sorry, what I meant to say is <laughs> when Doctor Who makes up words, it does it in a way where even if you've never seen Doctor Who, you can guess what the thing what, does. wibbly-wobbly-timey-wobbly stuff. I.e. chameleon circuit. You can't see it. Hmm? You can't see the circuit. Well, that's what makes the TARDIS hide, hide as a farm box. Right. But that makes sense, doesn't it? But Something that, that makes also, it blend in. Would that not also mean if it's got a chameleon circuit, it would, it would give you, basically whatever you give back, because it's going to have a karma connected to that, isn't it? Karma, 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 karma. Stop karma, it, chameleon. <laughs> Stop it. Look, if we're referencing bad roaring, if we're referencing from our retro on, music, from now on, when we record this show, I'm gonna have a spray bottle of water. <laughs> And like, 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 and like when a cat misbehaves, <laughs> I'm just going to be like, shh, shh, bad Rory, bad Rory. I need to make a compilation of all so, the times I've upset you with puns. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, because th- th- this is the thing with this film is we've referred to it as a slasher parody a few times because that is the setup. Yeah. And then the film just gets bored of being that. Yeah. Halfway through, it just decides, eh, we're done with this. I'm not even sure it's halfway through. Yeah. It, it just kind of every now and then it goes, oh, yeah, there was a slasher here, wasn't he? Here he is again. All right, we're done with yeah. that again. Now we're a John Hughes-style teen comedy. The ending of the film is literally lifted near enough from The Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's interesting as well because it's... While it's nostalgia-heavy in terms of it plays a load of, like, Backstreet Boys and things like that, 90s music, it's also very nostalgic cinematically, or at least thematically, from different cinema Mm. films. As you say, the ending is from Breakfast Club. You've got Freaky Fridays with the switch of the mum and the daughter. You've got the bit where the lecturer is lecturing them, and if you pay attention... He's talking he's, about Back to the Future. He's yeah, talking he's about the about uh, flux capacitor. one gigawatts or whatever yeah, it is. He's talking about the, what you need for the flux capacitor on Back to the yeah. Future. It's a, there's lots of stuff like that happening throughout the entire movie. Yeah. I'm sure there's several we missed. Oh, definitely. Because they, they talk... Ve- it's a very fast film. And there's several scenes. Uh, the one that pops to mind is the bowling alley scene where... Again, showing the vapidness of the teen, and and this has been referred to as a commentary on the Twitter generation. Yeah. By one critic, and I kind of see what they mean. The I don't know if you noticed in the bowling alley scene, the boys and the girls having two different discussions, having two completely different conversations, yeah. and but they not, sort of cross over, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're just ignoring each other, mm. but they're still acting as if they've had a response. If that's not Twitter, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of people basically talking to themselves. Yeah, shouting over each other. Um. And this has got 80s nostalgia as well, because mm. Clapton is obsessed with Patrick Swayze, yes. who obviously was around in the 90s as well, but all it, the big movies... Dirty Dancing is what he's talk- he refers Roadhouse, to. Roadhouse, Dirty yeah. Dancing. Those are all 80s films. I think Ghost maybe gets mentioned, which I think is 1990, I think, yeah, Ghost it's is. just on the cusp, isn't um, it? But yeah, you get a weird bit where he's channeling... Near the end is a bit where he fights Sanders, and he's channeling the power of... Patrick Swayze, yes. Sanders is channeling fucking Steven Seagal. Oh, that was it, yeah. He's like, Your fighting is really obnoxious. Yeah, <laughs> Steven Seagal is not the one you want to be ch- channeling like Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee. This is a film in which there's not a single character in this who isn't cracking constant pop culture references. Yeah. Even the cops who come to her house. Oh, they're constantly referring to films that yeah, they think when she's he... parodying. 
Yeah, and copying, because they think she's copying Scream, and she's like, I'm not Neve Campbell. They call her Nev Campbell, and that always annoys me when people call her Neve Campbell. At least I think it's pronounced Neve, but I don't know, I've never heard Neve Campbell say it. So it might what if, be Nev. What if it is pronounced Nev Campbell, and this whole time I've been saying it wrong? And you've been getting angry at people saying it right. I know. Anyway, <laughs> um, and he literally just turns around at one point, and he's like, Iron Man, now that's a move. <laughs> And she's like, Iron Man was a completely different set of circumstances. (laughs) But yeah, but then later on, they do a callback to that with CGI when she's in the time traveling bear. And it's like Iron Man's heads up display, isn't it? Yeah, but I did say time traveling bear for anyone who hasn't seen this film and is listening and going, what the fuck? Magnetic time traveling bear from the planet Starclaw. Yes, yes, that has... uh, that she blows towards the, well it looks like she's blowing it but she's actually putting yeah. on it an emergency activation switch so one of my favorite That's shots in this film one of my favorite shots is when they're actually in detention and they're all in a circle yes and the camera sanders is clearly next to riley yeah and the camera pushes without cutting yeah the pushes camera in. pushes in on riley pulls back out and now there's a new guy sitting next to it. It's Elliot yeah. Fink. Yeah, and the thing is Elliot Fink is not in the scene almost at all up to this point, but there's a couple of shots where you get a brief glimpse of him and suddenly she she looks and it's Sanders again. Yeah. And it's like it's very weird and very well done as to how they hide that transition. Yeah. And then this shot is as you say, seems to be if it's not actually one unbroken take where they literally swap him out. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everyone can see him. And they're like, yeah. who the hell are you? Have you been here the whole time? He, he's had detention every day for 19 years. Yeah, that was it, and yeah. you're like, dude, you, you should have left school. Like, how also, can they still be keeping you in detention? He also doesn't look nearly 40. No. <laughs> so they never explain why. He looks no. about their age and he's still in detention yeah. after 20 and, years. And you get the, and it turns out he's the one who took the photo of the girl blowing the bear. Yeah. Um... Can we talk for a bit? And that's why he got detention. Yeah. He got detention because they thought he was because taking the, porn from photoing yeah. her blowing the bed. Which is why the, fi- the film doesn't actually work in a logic sense, or at least not in traditional time travel, because th- there are there are great, 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 great grandfather paradoxes going on here because she only goes back in time because he solves the equation. Yeah. But her going back in time so he can take a photo of her so he can get detention. Yeah. So he wouldn't be in detention if she didn't go back in time. Yeah. But she can only go back in time because he was in detention yeah. and spent all that time solving time travel. Can I say something here? This that, is cause this it, is wibbly wobbly timey wimey. It is very because it, it it's running on its own logic that doesn't actually work. Let's be clear. Yeah. Because when they go into the future, what? everyone's everyone's alive again except you for two of them me, by you, random chance. Are you telling me that putting a TV on your hand doesn't cure all illnesses? Well, certainly. But to be fair, I've never been half fly, See, so I don't know. Maybe this is how we solve the NHS crisis. <laughs> we just get a bunch of old CRTs. Maybe that's why we don't have this miracle technology anymore. Everyone's got flat screens now. That's it. Flat screens are flat screens the are NHS. useless. Exactly, they are. So should, we, should I go to work with a CRT on Monday? I'm here just to save it, lives. Just stick it on an old lady's leg. Yeah. Like, don't worry, Mrs. Smith, your broken ankle will be cured in no time. And you can watch Fraser while you're at it. <laughs> oh, it looks the oh, way I remember. Oh, I always liked that, Niall. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. like Anyone listening in to us right now who hasn't seen the film, doesn't know what we're talking about, this film sounds shit. 
Because we've just talked about... Some people will be sitting there going, this sounds incredible. No, no, no. But I mean, in terms of its logic, because mm. we let's be honest, the time travel doesn't really work. <laughs> the reasoning for the time travel is even more horseshit. Someone appears <laughs> in the third act from fucking nowhere and solves an equation that couldn't possibly work because of the way the time yeah. travel exists. But he's part of the time travel Mother, equation. daughter, body swap, 15 minutes from the end. end. You've got a guy who's the fly, but <laughs> isn't the fly. He just vomits up sticky stuff and get stuck to stuff and, every and, don't and forget, he's a pro football player and don't forget his semen glows in the dark we get told in, that yeah we get told that thankfully we don't see it uh but yeah and when he, he orgasms the fly wings come out oh yeah we do see that um there's there's yeah there's a lot of stuff where you just be like this sounds like stupid shit madness and, Joe Audemars. yeah it kind of is yeah. but it's the packaging and the fact that it's very obvious i don't know how they've done it but there's, it's very obvious from the direction and the way it's shot and framed mm. that the director knows that this doesn't work, yeah. but doesn't care. Kay. Let's have fun. Come the, along for the ride. This is what I like it's to call... It's not trying to be... Uh, you know what I would say is it, compare it to a more recent version of a similar idea, maybe Midsummer. Mm. I know you haven't seen that, and we've discussed this before, that Midsummer is a bit shit. I don't like it. Mm. Um, though I do find it funny, and I think mm. you would enjoy it somewhat, though yeah. you would have the same issues as I do. The difference between this and Midsummer, where this narrative doesn't really work, mm. and Midsummer's narrative doesn't really work because of inconsistencies in character behaviour, mm. the difference is, is there are no inconsistencies in the character behaviour in this film. The film is just zany and stupid. Yeah. But the film knows it. Yeah. Whereas Midsummer, the main narrative is actually still quite a good yeah. horror concept and works factually. Mm. It's that the characters don't work within that framework yeah. because they have to be written stupid to make it work. Yeah. And the thing is, is that's a very different. That's a very different issue. Um, and also, it, Midsummer try. The reason Midsummer does that is because it's trying to tell you it's smarter than it is. Yeah. Whereas this doesn't pretend to... It's, no. it's got all of this stuff about time travel and solving the mathematical equation of multidimensional travel through time with electronic bears and spaceships. But because it's so insane, you know it's sitting there going, yeah, yeah we're just talking shit. Let's just get on with it. You know, just yeah. enjoy the ride. This is what I like to refer to um, as it's uh, a, want, a once-in-a-lifetime lightning-in-a-bottle film. Yes. It's a film that shouldn't work but it does yeah dodgeball it's a was film like this. it's a film that you even dodgeball i would say isn't like this really? i like dodgeball but what i mean is you could not replicate this movie by trying you couldn't you right. couldn't boil this down to a formula this yes. is why films like this don't exist more yes this is the opposite of an mcu movie yeah, there's, uh, it's not following a formula. <laughs> yeah, there's no blueprint, and you couldn't make one. If one... Because, don't get me wrong, it is skill, but a lot of this, the reason this works, is luck. They got the exact right cast, yep. the right gags, the right look, the right director, and it all just works. Um, another film that's like this in, for, me, for me is A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Yeah, Nightmare on Street Four, which I will show you at some point, should not work. They started filming it. Its release date was set less than a year after Elm Street Three. Said less than a year to make it and edit it. It is a director who was making his first ever English language film, who was living, he was couch surfing, and could barely speak any English. There was no script. 
the film is ridiculous. A woman gets turned into a cockroach <laughs> by Freddy. He eats meatballs with people's faces on them out of a giant pizza. Right. But so, and he has a kung fu fight with a guy. But it's amazing. Right. <laughs> it just it just works somehow. It shouldn't. You know what? But it does. I would like to I I'd, I'd actually be one of the this is one of those directors that I would love to have a conversation with. Oh, 100%. Because like I I yes there's luck. There's luck in every film. But I actually unlike several films like we mentioned like Dodge, Dodgeball has a certain amount of luck to it I think as well. This didn't feel like what this didn't feel as much like luck. Mm. There seemed to be for me it felt like there was because of the way they filmed it mm. a huge amount of consideration and there must have been fucking um storyboards galore mm. to figure out how to do like cuz you can't accidentally do some of these scene transitions. Oh god no, like the one we talked about in the detention where they push yep. forward and push back. That that can't be done accidentally and go, "Oh, but just what happens in post, we can blend these shots together." That's not how that works. No. You can't do that when they suddenly swap in the guy in the uh, uh, what's his name? The, Elliot Fink. Yeah, Elliot Fink. You can't accidentally pop yeah. that in. You can't accidentally get the opening credits the way that they yeah. were made. The really good bit where there's the janitor in the middle mm. and the the bully character, the fly boy, he walks down one side and Josh Hutchinson ducks under the other yeah. so they don't see each other. Yeah. That's timing. Yeah. Like, that takes planning. Yeah. And all of this stuff says to me that this... While there may have been an element of luck to it, for sure, as every film does, this film must work because of something the director chose. Mm. Because it's so meticulously planned. Easy Rider is a film that I think works by luck, mm. where it works. Dodgeball works because they had luck with the cast. Yeah. Literally, the cast makes Dodgeball work. Yeah. Um, there is... But this film is... If you remove the cast... You could probably get a cast that would still work, though I love the cast they've got. I'm not yeah. saying that they should replace the cast. If you got rid of the 90s nostalgic music, it would still work as a movie, mm. though, again, that's part of its style, which yeah. would it would lose something in that. If you were to remove any element, you would lose something, yeah. but you wouldn't lose what makes the film work yeah. in terms of its kinetic pace yeah. and the way that it scene transitions and keeps the flow going. I really like the scene. One of the scenes that is a parody of Scream yeah. is Oshie Scream's got that bit where they're all trying to, where they're all being like, well, you could be the killer. You could be the killer. And you get the bit, the good bit with Jamie Kennedy in the video store where he's like, everybody's a suspect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get a similar scene here. But, but there's how they're not the killer. But they're all just fine when they're not the killer. In that they're all stupid reasons. Yeah. So one of them, it's like, you don't have the upper body strength to swing an axe. Yep. Um, and the, be the best one is the, the, uh, the black guy whose name I unfortunately forget who's like he's not really named I don't think uh, they do say his name once it's, it's something like T-Dog or something oh, like right that now. he's the most boring guy in the world but he literally he? just goes because um, they're all about they don't really know him and he doesn't stand out mm. and they're like you got psycho written all over you and he goes guys I'm not psycho I'm just boring <laughs> Another line I really like is from the near the beginning is when the bully is about to beat Josh Hutcherson up and he goes, um, if your face hurts my fist, I will hit you again harder. Yeah. <laughs> there are some good lines in this yeah. film. Like, Always ready for football. <laughs> yeah. 
that weird coach went to 11 all the time. And yeah. That's a directorial choice, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, and an acting choice, because it, it's, it's in the fan- script, isn't it? Because he's got that bit just before he does Always Ready for Football. Yeah. There's the bit where he's going on about, um, problem with kids today, they don't know how to channel aggression. Yeah. <laughs> football, that's the key. Yeah. You ready for football, coach? Always oh, ready for football. <laughs> We used to do that at uni all the time. It's yeah, but the thing, this film is full of great lines, things like that. And again, Midsummer had funny bits, mm. which I'm sure were intended to be funny because it, it's ridiculous at mm. points. But and there were some that were genuine jokes. Mm. But I don't think it matched them up in the way that this film does. No, this film is balls to the wall ridiculous. It is kitsch. It is not for everyone. But I honestly, if, if I you... showed this to my dad. I think my dad would kill himself. <laughs> I, I don't think your dad would understand half of what's going on. To be honest, I wouldn't blame him. Uh, the thing is, is if I actually... This is kind of a rare one as well in which it's not... As you say, it's not a film that people generally tend to know about. Mm. A general movie-going audience, I don't know if it would suit them so much. It would be mm. a person-to-person basis. It would. Do they like anything that's a bit zany? Because if they don't, mm. you, you're batting up the wrong tree. No. Yeah, that's. I think that's the people that came into your class and went, oh, I don't understand, it was garbage. Um, you need to be able to go, you know what, this is hilarious and I want to run with this stupidity. Yeah. Um, but filmmakers, this is kind of a rare one in that kitsch camp, yeah. because it's so well directed and it's so, like the, those scene transitions and the way that it, it does certain scenes... Yeah. And the way it frames itself, the camera is always very meticulously framed. Yeah. That's something filmmakers should learn. And that's something that this person does extraordinarily well throughout this film. And actually makes me want to watch the rest of their catalogue. Yeah. Because I'll give talk a go. Yeah. Because Plus, of- did you hear them did you hear them poke fun at themselves? Yeah. Uh, uh in the classroom scene right near the beginning, just before the smoke alarm goes off and the teacher's like, Well, I'm wet. Yeah. <laughs> um the the Asian character, the one who is building the time travel into the bear. Yep. Uh, he turns around and someone says something about talk, mm. as in the concept of talk, and he goes, "What that terrible movie!" <laughs> <laughs> but I'd, I'd be interested to see that, and um, yeah, basically anything else that this. Honestly, does I'd, because... I'd watch Bodied. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the sort of film I'd be interested in. A rap right. comedy a comedy rap battle thing. Yeah, it doesn't sound like my sort of jam either. But, but... I want to see what this guy does. Yeah, because um, honestly, like the direction is solid. Yeah. Really solid. I'd like to see which music videos he's done as well, actually. Yeah. See, um I think that, that that's something maybe that's worked in his favour. Is that because he's used to doing? I'm guessing if he's done a lot of music videos, he's done a lot of different styles for different types of artists. Yeah. With this, that's where he's managed to sort of somehow weave a somehow compelling narrative of these different disparate genres. Mm. In but they feel like they're consistent. Yeah. Somehow, like it's, somehow it's, the film coalesces into a whole. Yeah, where it shouldn't. It really no. fucking shouldn't. No, the plot is all over the place. Yeah. It like you said, it and literally, it changes genre on the, the fly. Yeah. The plot is happening, and then it will just go. Oh, let's go tell this fly story for ten minutes. Yeah. Why? By it's the way, no there's sci-fi now. Hmm? By the way, there's sci-fi now. It'll just throw that in the time yeah, travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 This this hits nearly every genre. Oh, that there's there fantasy is. now. She's uh, she's replaced herself in her mum's body. Has there ever been, <laughs> as well? Has there ever been a film that's got a film within a film within a film within a film within a film? 
I mean, it's a pretty inception level amount of films within films. Yeah, it's, and each one getting worse and worse quality, which yeah, is the best. Yeah, it's like bit. going back in time, isn't it? Because it goes, uh, they, they get sort of and lower and lower budget yeah, as yeah, well yeah. until it ends at the porn parody version with Ron Jeremy. Yeah, in it. literally in this film for like two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> with those awful stick-on nipples. nipples. Did you see him? Yeah. And he's like sticking his tongue out, going ah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, yeah, the whole time travel thing just... That makes you spin your head. Because she ends up giving birth to her own mum, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, and then you get the bit where she's like, uh, don't you drink that, young lady. You go away, young lady. Yeah. Um, you know how cool people call guacamole guac? I invented that. <laughs> So okay, I so wasn't quite clear. It doesn't matter. Like hmm. it doesn't. You don't need to know why the function is more important than the reason. Why is the bomb powerful enough to destroy the world? <laughs> they never explain it. No, because it's it's because you it see in goes, the original timeline. When it first only, goes off, it only burns a bit of his face. Yeah, and then and Sanders then s- goes back and adds something to it. Well, no, he convinces him to do it right. So yeah, clearly the so bomb was do- always able to block yeah. the world. It just didn't do. So it. what does Sanders know? No, he just convinces the guy to, to do, do it. it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I don't know what like how the guy figured out how to make the bomb that could destroy the world. Yeah, that's a your point. Yeah, because like, it's full because bomb... you see it go off. Yeah, and obviously the effects aren't good. We've already said yeah, this. Yeah, but the, bit. the whole building's on fire and but, the world is burning. But, yeah, but it doesn't just all go. It doesn't go off like the mansion blows up at the end of Resident Evil One, where it literally no. all just disintegrates. One room blows up and then fire just spreads everywhere. And then the next thing you know, the entire world is on fire. Yeah. And you're like, what? And then Sanders, like, all his skin starts to flake off, and he's like, ah. And yeah, then you go he... back in time again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, I want to. I've meant to do this for years. And I don't know why I've left it till now. I want to get like Ben and Dave and that lot round here and watch this film. Hell yeah. I might do that for my next birthday. Okay. Rather than go out, just be sad, stay in do and watch film? detention. Yeah, do film night. Well, my last birthday, we had uh, drinks, pizza, and we watched Army of Darkness. Nice. I introduced Benton to Army of Darkness and he ended up really liking it. I've introduced Benton to a few films he's ended up liking. He liked Army of Darkness and he liked Planet Terror a lot. Nice. So I might go three for three with detention. Yeah. Yeah, deten- I mean, detention's very oddball, though, but we'll see. Do you I can sneak always ready for football into the Haunted Live show? <laughs> You're always ready for football! Yes. Hey, Preston, you ready for garlic sausage? Always ready for garlic sausage! <laughs> do it. Do it, my friend. Um, okay, so, your initial reasons for viewing this was because it was odd, and you wanted to show it to me, I suppose. Yeah, to be fair, I've kind of cheated the system with this one because I I had no doubt in my mind really that I I would have been surprised and sad if I'd have watched this and been like, oh, my opinions changed. Yeah, this is actually kind of st- stupid. But then no, we've... my opinion hasn't changed. I love this. This yeah. is brilliant. So then the question is, is I suppose because it's not a well known film at all, mm. um, you've not changed your opinion of it. You still love it. Mm. Who would you recommend it for? It's hard. It's hard to tell, That's isn't it? That's the difficult it? bit. Because this thing, it, you can't recommend it based on genre. Nope. Because it's it's a billion genres. It really is, and this is why it's so hard. It's for people who who have got that switch in their brain where they can go, okay, I know this is a sort of film that's just going to keep adding elements all the way to the end. Yep. And I'm on board with that. 
Yep. You need to be the sort of person who, when you get halfway through a film and it suddenly diverts to time-traveling beer from Planet Starclaw, you just go, cool. Yep, here we as go. Po- as opposed to what a lot of people I know will do, which is, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's your half and half where um, you had half mm. the people in your class say they loved it and yeah. half hated it. I guess the interesting question would be, because it is such a heavily 90s nostalgic film, mm. do you think anyone who didn't live through the 90s would get it? Now, to be fair... They'd understand it as much as we do, I think. Mm. But whether it... Cause, yeah, the nostalgia does help. And to be fair, because I don't get all the nostalgia, because I, was, I wasn't born until 1990. Right. So really, 91 to sort of 95, 96... You don't remember. See, I remember most of the 90s, because by the time 1990 hit, I was four. Yeah. So, I, you know, it, that's early memories all the way yeah. through to, you know, my mid-teens. Yeah. See, I guess for me, I'm more nostalgic about the 2000s, I guess. Yes, whereas I'm not as much, because I was yeah. in my 20s during the, tw- the 2000s. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, he's a, an oddity mm. of, of cinema. Because you'd introduce it to someone now, and right at the beginning, like, say we got a Gen Zer, say we got someone who's, like, 18. Yeah. Now, which you realise means they wouldn't have been born until, like... 2005. I refuse to believe there are people who were born in 2005. People, after 1999... (laughs) I was in uni in 2005. After after 1999, people stopped having children, okay? Yeah. We entered the children of men universe, and we're all going to slowly die out. I was 19 in 2005. Anyway... Imagine showing this to an 18-year-old now. And that very opening joke, beauty, intelligent, t- talent, charisma, Hoobastank. Yep. They're going to sit there going, what the fuck is Hoobastank? Yeah. What? Yeah. Is that some weird 90s slang you all had? No, it's a band. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so I I really enjoyed this film. It, it is the sort of film where I will try and show to you for the rest of my life. I will try and show this film to as many people as I can, knowing full well that the majority probably won't get it. Did you think I'd like it? I honestly couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. What made you think I wouldn't like it? Because I I find your taste can be odd in that I generally associate you with silly things. Which And I thought you'd like silly. Yeah. But then there's some things that are silly that you take really seriously, and I'll be like, oh... Like what? Like Need for Speed, for example. Um, oh, mate, that's emotional. That's why. It hits me on an emotional fair level. Enough. It's fair weird. enough. I don't know why um, either. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think what it was was I didn't know if you'd be able to get on board with the fact, because obviously you're a fellow writer mm. and director, I didn't know if you would get on board with the fact that this film has no respect <laughs> for narrative storytelling. No. It is literally just like... Fuck you, I'll Fuck do what structure. I want. But it, I think it does have a structure. I think that's the trick. Mm. I think it doesn't follow a generic three-act structure very well, mm. which suggests... But the fact that it works suggests that it, either by accident or I think by planning, it's it's hitting another structure. Mm. Um, it's throwing out the three-act structure. It may be a five-act structure. Right. That might be why it looks a bit odd. There's even like... Even the three-hour-long Marvel movies nowadays, like the big MCU, the stuff that we're used to nowadays, not me, but most people, because I haven't watched most of the MCU. 
but generally they all follow three acts. Mm. This definitely doesn't. But it doesn't feel like it's aimless. Yeah. Normally, if it's someone just going, fuck it, I'll do what I want, it's aimless. Mm. Uh, and I would say that about a razor head. Yeah. Um, it felt aimless. Uh, this doesn't feel aimless. It's always driving forwards. Yeah. And that suggests to me that there is a, a certain structure it's hitting. I just haven't figured out what that structure is yet. Mm. Because, again, with the cinematographer and everything else, I can't say that they were lazy because it's not. It's very well considered. Mm. So I can't believe, I refuse to believe that the structure is lazy yeah. or ill-considered. Um I think there's something going on that I need to reanalyze in this film. And I, you know me, I love being able to look at films, analyze them, reanalyze them. Mm. Whether they're good or bad films, mm. I will always have an extra special bit of love for a film if I can look at it, evaluate it, and reevaluate mm. it. Even garbage like Super Mario Brothers, the movie from 93, I love that film because it gives me the ability to evaluate and reevaluate. Yeah. Whether or not the film itself is cinematic gold, it is not. Uh, you know, it gives me that extra edge, yeah. and I love that. This film, I think, is far more successful than Super Mario Brothers at doing what it does. Yeah. Um, but it's also, and I think that it's aided by the fact that it is seems to be purely director's vision mm. without studio interference. On top of that, it still gives me that ability to think yeah. and to reevaluate. And I don't know what this structure is yet, but I want to know it because it mm. seems fun. Um, so that's something I, I would love to get a copy of it of so I could uh, I could research it and watch yeah. it and try and figure out its plot pacing. Uh, so yeah, no, I love this film. I'm very glad you... You've shown me a couple of films before and I've been like... Rrr. You showed me 2001 Maniacs. I wasn't into it. It was just... It was a generic slasher outside of... Yeah. You know, I understand what you Outside like. Outside of the comedy, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a lot more generic horror. Yeah. This was not a generic horror. No. This was a lot more interesting as well. There wasn't really anything for me to sink my teeth into with 2001 Maniacs. Yeah. There wasn't any psychological depth to it. No. There wasn't anything zany where I'd be like, what's the structure? How does this, how do they put this together? This had a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot slicker. Um. So, yeah, that... That I think that's the difference. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's kitsch. You know me. I yeah. love kitsch shit. I showed you they live. They live was fucking awesome. Mm. See, yes, I, I got the good stuff. You do it. <laughs> Don't say I it like that. Stuff. I got the good stuff. You ain't baby. got any good stuff. I have got good stuff. You ain't introduced me to anything I've loved yet. That's your fault. You're hard to please. Yeah, well, I'm but worth you watch because you watch means horror I'm garbage. Worth it, though. Huh? Means I'm worth it. Though. Hang on, Fatal Frame. That don't count. Yes, it does. No, I'll tell you why that Fuck doesn't off. count. Fuck off, you no. can't just go in and No, I'll count. tell you why that doesn't count, because that's not a film that was like something you were passionate about. That's something we discovered together through VGMP. Not like a film that you've known for a long time that you were to desperate you. to introduce to me. So you didn't like Fifth Element? No, I hated Fifth yeah. Element. Galaxy Quest is great. You haven't shown me that yet. I did show you Galaxy Quest. No, you didn't. You showed me a couple of scenes from it, but we didn't watch the actual film. I thought we watched the whole film. No. I swear we watched Galaxy I Quest. I swear we didn't. You showed me a clip where they've clearly dubbed Sigourney Weaver. That doesn't sound right, but okay, fair enough. I promise you I've never seen it. Tony Shaloub? I promise you I've not seen it. Unless you put it on and then drugged me, so okay. I missed it all. I think you'll like Moon. When you get to Moon, Moon, I want to see. I think you'll like Moon. But yeah, no, so I think that's probably... 
it probably isn't all there is to say about detention, but unless we want this episode to go for five hours, <laughs> yeah. we should probably wrap it up there. Um, I mean, I I'm think a big we could fan. explain the entire story back to front and we'd still be like, so we haven't really explained everything yeah. in this film somehow. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the use of mbop in the film. Yes. I always have it stuck in my head after yes, this and film. It's, uh, uh, to be honest, it's better than Hanson's version. Mm. <laughs> Bear in mind, that was the first album I ever owned. Yes. Yes, it was. It's yes. all songs about how much they love their granny. I bought it last year. No, not really. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, all, all I can say is if you have not seen Detention, directed by Joseph Kahn from 2011, give it a chance. The, the problem is it's very hard to find now. It's not on any... It's not on any streaming sites, as far as I'm aware. Right. Uh, it might possibly be on Amazon Prime. It definitely is not on Netflix or Disney Plus. I know that. Um, I honestly think it's worth it. I adore this movie. It's insane. Thank you so much for tuning in to Second Take Cinema and joining us on this uh, deep dive into detention. Uh, you can catch our other show, the Video Game Movie Podcast, a.k.a. VGMP, on all good podcasting apps. That's where Rory and I talk about video game movies exclusively. Um, and you can also catch my audio drama, Haunted the Audio Drama, available also on Spotify, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc., etc. Uh, that is a show that I run with Benton Hodges. And it's a audio drama show, so it's full cast, uh, and it's sort of an X-Files meets Doctor Who adventure horror series um, with a long-running storyline um, interspersed with standalone Monster of the Week episodes. Um, and we would absolutely love if you would have a listen to that. Until next time, then, I think it's safe to say that is a wrap on Detention.